0: Welcome to Passive Investing School, where you'll learn how to get started on your journey for investing in multifamily apartments as a passive investor. You'll hear tips and case studies from actual real estate investors sharing their wisdom with you so you don't make the same mistakes they did and so you can be set up for success with your investments. Here's your host, Chris Tracy. Hey, what's going on, Jeff? Welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Chris, and welcome to you as well.
0: Yeah, so uh, we've been talking about a lot of awesome things recently. And for the listeners at home, if you didn't catch the first two episodes, the first one was Jeff taught some people about the fundamentals of getting started, about being a passive investor. And then we went on to episode two, we talked about using IRAs to invest in real estate. So there's a lot of great stuff in there that Jeff taught. So go back and check those out if you haven't heard those. But today, Jeff, I'd love to talk about. A somewhat controversial topic, I think, in our space. There's been a lot of discussion about the 1031 exchange. Now, we've heard this term tossed around before, but can you clear the air on this? And briefly, in a nutshell, tell us what exactly is a 1031 exchange and how does it work?
1: Okay. 1031 is essentially a code in the, the federal taxes. It is done in, with commercial real estate, where you can take any Commercial real estate, and exchange it for another commercial real estate. This also can be done with non-commercial residential, but it can't be done with personal residences. There are other there are other tax benefits of that, but uh, typically it has to be a property that is purchased for profit for income, and so. The the tax code allows us to exchange the properties. Now, a lot of times the or most of the time, these states will also go along with the federal regulations and also will allow the deferment on any of the state capital gains as well.
0: Hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Can you tell the listeners, Jeff, uh, what has been your personal experience uh, with this topic? Have you ever sold a property and done a 1031 exchange? If so, uh, give us the good, bad, and ugly around that.
1: A 1031 exchange, we have tried on several occasions where the people that were going to go into the 1031 wanted to come into one of our projects, one of our syndications, and uh, on each one of these, uh, there was a situation where they uh, they changed their mind or they did something else, and so we didn't, but we've done a lot of research. I've talked to a lot of people out there that certainly can guide you along, but the main thing, uh, some of the issues with the 1031 is, first of all, you have uh, from the day that you close on called the relinquishing property, you have 45 days to identify a maximum of three properties that you want to exchange into. And you have to know which properties that you want to uh, get into exchange uh, within that time. Then once you do that, within 180 days of the closing of the relinquished property into the closing of one of one or more of those three properties that you've identified you have 180 days to close on any or all of those properties so part of it is that game of selling your property and being able to have a property that you want to exchange into so that's your your biggest thing the other thing is is you have to uh, let a 1031 facilitator Know about it before you do close on your relinquishing property. You can't go and sell your property, take your money and say, oh, I want to do a 1031. It's too late. It's already done at that time.
0: Right. Okay. And I do remember, you know, with our team meetings that when when we discuss about the different properties that we're working on, I do remember um, these various stories that, that we have worked on and we were breaking up a little bit in there, but I think just to kind of resummarize kind of what you were pointing out is that the timing seems to be the biggest thing that people need to be aware of uh, when you're trying to sell a property and do this. And then you know make sure that you are working, communicating with a facilitator. And that being the, the biggest challenge for people is they're just probably not paying attention to their, their timelines with that. Right, Jeff?
1: Yes, that's, that's it. And also finding an appropriate property. Some people are so determined not to have to pay taxes that they get into a bad deal and that's worse than paying taxes i know a gentleman that went and took his a million dollars worth of funds that he had that he went and got in four different properties with those funds and he had a horrendous time dealing with those properties because they weren't good deals but he felt pressure getting into those and so you want to be very careful to make sure that it is, in fact, a deal and you're not just taking the deal because you're under pressure to to close on that deal.
0: Yeah, definitely. Great point. I, and I've heard some controversy in different people that I speak to in the industry when I do networking events and you know talking to people in bigger pockets or what have you. And some people would argue that you can't do a syndication with a 1031 exchange, but you can based on what you're saying here right is that someone wants to sell a property they want to do a 1031 exchange they could for example collaborate with our team right we do syndication and say hey you know we can work with you like these other people that you have spoken with in the past and say hey let's work together and we can achieve our common goals and and move forward right so so it is possible to to mesh a 1031 exchange with a syndication correct
1: it is but it's not a real easy process And the main thing is, is you have to have uh, sufficient funds coming from your 1031 to make it worth the, the extra effort. And those people that have approached us with a 1031 that didn't have sufficient funds to really buy something on their own. I mean, let me back up. I've had people approach me that said they wanted to buy a property with a 1031, and I've looked at it to see how much in the way of funds they have in order to go into the 1031 to see if we could buy a property on their own. And if they don't really have enough to do it on their own and we wanna go and combine it with a syndication, they have to have at least a significant amount of money. Otherwise it's, it's not worth going through the, the process of trying to do all that and to combine the two together. But essentially, there's a couple ways of doing it. One of them is with a, a, TIC, a TIC, or Tenants in Common, where the 1031 property would be on title along with the syndication entity. They would both be on title, and they would both have voting rights on what's going on with the property. There are some uh, little caveats uh, dealing with it. So it does make it a little more complicated, but it is possible. Now, there is another way of of doing the exchange with Delaware Statutory Trust, a DST. It is more complicated doing it uh, with a syndication, but there is also the Delaware Statutory trust that uh, is uh, a little more complicated um, but. You, you need to talk to a qualified uh, uh, facilitator in order to make sure that you've got all the uh, the items lined up and make sure that you do uh, get your deferred uh, tax returns. So it, it's a little more complicated, but you need to talk to an expert on it.
0: Mm, gotcha. Um, what are some of the uh, common facilitator of uh, uh, companies out there that someone could just google search and, and and select at their leisure like what are some some of the the uh i know you don't like to refer or you're not biased or partial to any one company but just if someone wanted to get that process started what, what just off the top of your head what are some facilitators that you know of in the industry
1: well there is somebody out here in california since that's where i am that uh, we've had a lot of good response from Uh, He's come and spoke at many of our meetings and uh, very, very knowledgeable. And that's uh, Exeter 1031. And uh, Exeter is uh, is spelled E-X-E-T-E-R. And um, I guess the company name is Exeter 1031 Exchange Services. And uh, Bill Exeter and his team uh, is very experienced and been doing it for quite some time. But other than that, I don't really know uh, of any other names. That's something you can do a Google search on and uh, find. The other thing is, I would say, uh, in bigger pockets, you can uh, uh, ask ask some people um, of uh, facilitators that uh, people can recommend. That would probably be the best way. You want to make sure that it's not a little tiny company. You would like to have an established company that's been around for a while, because essentially they're going to be holding on to the proceeds of your uh, sale. You don't touch your money; goes into their account, and you have no control over it. And so, you do want to make sure that it's a reputable company that's been around, and that they're not going to go they're not going to go bankrupt with with your money in there. So that is a concern.
0: Yeah, definitely. Great. Great advice there. So step one, if someone's looking to sell a property and do a 1031 exchange, find a good facilitator, correct?
1: Talk to a facilitator, get the advice of the facilitator, make sure that they they approach them early enough. You don't want to go the day of closing sitting there worried about finding the facilitator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. allow, allow a week or two ahead of time to make sure that they get all the paperwork prepared, and that everything is done, and the funds go get wired to them and not to you. you. You go and touch the funds, and the 1031 is done. Never got started.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, this sounds great, Jeff. I just wanted to kind of resummarize uh, the major talking points here. So pros and cons of doing a 1031 exchange. Obviously, the biggest pro is the tax deferment mission and the whole purpose of doing it really is you're just kind of kicking the can down the road and deferring the tax obligations and and the little game you're playing with uncle Sam. So that being the biggest purpose of doing it. And then, um, the cons, um, just off the top of my head would be watching the the calendar, the timing part of it, and then making sure you're not making any hasty decisions. I think, like you said, that you make sure you don't get into a bad deal because you're under the gun and you have to hurry up and buy something and you get into a deal that ultimately becomes a lemon for you. And I think there was one other one that you mentioned in there as far as like maybe just the potential pitfalls or things that you kind of have to watch out for.
1: Well, the main thing is the timing, the 45 days and the 180 days, and also making sure you're dealing with a reputable reputable 1031 exchange company, because as I said, they do have your funds in their accounts, and you just want to make sure it's with a good company. Mm. But the other thing is, it's not just on the deferred, that if, if you're looking to create legacy wealth for your family, the 1031 can be used where you could never pay taxes. If you keep doing 1031s and then you die, your heirs will be able to get your properties at the new basis. The value that the properties were at at the time of your death is now their new basis. So now they have these properties at the new value and if they sold them, there'd be no capital gains because that would be the current value. So there would never be capital gains uh, paid on those at all if you were to uh, give your properties to your heirs at your death.
0: Yeah, that, that's amazing. So, so doing a 1031 exchange when you're trying to sell a property is almost a no brainer, would, would you say?
1: I would attempt to do it if you can. There are other reasons why you couldn't. We were going to do one on a property when we sold our Houston property, where the sale price was 2.7, 700,000 of that was uh, the investors capital that we were giving back another 700,000 of that was the debt. And then the rest of it was profit. Well, we were trying to go into a property that we paid all cash for. And the gotcha is that we were going to have to take $2.7 million, the sale price, and put it into another property. Well, the property that we were buying was only 1.1, and any money that was taken out, we would have to pay taxes on all of the money that didn't go into this other deal, even though part of it was debt and part of it was capital. We weren't going to be able to do something like that on a cash deal if we were going into a deal where part of that was going to be debt and part of that was going to be equity that would be fine but in our case where we were going into all cash we didn't we weren't able to put enough in so it didn't work out gotcha you just have you just have to know the you have to know the rules and that's why i say the best thing to do is you consult with a 1031 uh, facilitator and you talk to them about it and they're going to tell you if you're going to be able to do it or not do it. And that's what I did on that case is I asked them about it because we wanted to come in all cash on this other deal and it just wasn't going to work because anything that didn't go into the deal was going to be taxed. Okay, so out of that $2.7 million, as I said, there was... Uh, $700,000 worth of uh, original capital, $700,000 worth of debt, and the rest was capital gains, but we were going to have to invest all of that. Otherwise, anything that was not invested would be taxed, and that includes we would be taxed on the debt, and we'd be taxed on the, the capital that was brought in because we hadn't invested all of that so it gets real complicated, especially if you're going to go into an all-cash deal. If you go into a, a deal that has debt, that's, that's another story. But the main thing is is to consult with a 1031 exchange expert and let them know exactly what your situation is, and so they could advise you.
0: Right. Yeah. Great examples there to go along with what we're talking about here. And, and typically what I like to do is ask you and, and close these episodes out if you have any last words of wisdom, but you gave so much wisdom in this episode uh, already. I don't know if if there's anything else you could share with us or any, any final thoughts.
1: Just plan the 1031s uh, in advance. Make sure you talk to a 1031 exchange facilitator and, just give you the information about, about your particular situation.
0: Mm, gotcha. Well, all right, Jeff, awesome information once again, and folks be sure to check out Jeff's website or you can shoot him an email. I'm going to put the links for that information in the show notes of these podcast episodes so be sure to check out jeff and everything that he's doing with our team and the good stuff great information and thank you always again jeff for this uh, marvelous education you're providing our listeners
1: well thank you chris thank you for that very much
0: all right man see you next time thanks for listening to passive investing school Be sure to check out PassiveInvestingSchool.com to help you with your journey of being a successful passive investor.